Hey, hey friends. friends, it's Davion. It's Bruce, and, and this, this is, is Oh, That's, that's my, my Gay, gay friend. friend. Episode number 19. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone. We are legal now. Hi, husband. How are you doing today? I'm good, husband. How are you? I am great. Blessed and highly favored. Amen and amen. Yes, friends. Welcome to another wonderful episode of your favorite podcast. It's going to be a jam-packed episode today. When isn't it at this point? <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to be very conscientious of our time and yes, our topics. And, and I think the people really enjoy the fact that we have a lovely Kiki, you know. So, you know, it's showing every week. That so this cocktail order, as we're yeah. being conscientious of our time. We are. So, you guys know what it is. Time to get your cocktail ready. And while you gather your libation, we will tell you our selection for tonight. Husband, what are you having? Well, I am partaking in a Pinot Grigio, the sun goddess, Pinot Grigio by the icon Mary J. Blige. Oh, boom, 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 boom. There'll be a bit more on that later, but what about you, husband? What are you drinking? I am having a Añejo tequila and a bowl, but this tequila is my first time having it, uh, Trader Joe's tequila. Mm-hmm. And I Añejo. So um apparently it's 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 a high seller. So people have been yeah, people have been drinking it apparently and it's it does well. So see what this does. So let's raise our glasses, you guys. All right, here we go. Clink, 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 clink. And clink, clink, clink. All right. Ooh, that's crisp. Finally something refreshing. After a long week. After a long week. This is nice. This is probably my 15th drink um, after being off them damn antibiotics this past Monday. So, And you count that right, people. <laughs> 15 drinks. Had to make up for eight days. Four Listen. days ago. <laughs> Listen, it's a lot. So, all that being said, let's get right to into the shit. it. So, How was your week, husband? My week was good. It was a good week. Um... Tomorrow is my last day of work before I go on vacation. That is until exciting. Until next month. Yes, so, very you have all that. next week. I have the second half, 16 days after tomorrow, or 17 days, yeah, to okay. do what I do. Yeah. But I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. I But my week was great. Um, figuring out a lot of... You know, feels and emotions from the things that I talked about last podcast. Mm-hmm. And work was decent. And Jim been killing it in there. I'm seeing some real progress with my journey mm-hmm. on being the muscle bear. So I'm appreciative of that. Okay. And it's good. How about yourself, husband? How was your week? My week has been great, actually. I went to kickboxing class twice this week, which is... A first for me. I definitely felt it on Wednesday when I went and nearly died. But I kept going. I'm the only new person in class. And I kept up with all the people. Everyone there is on a first name basis. Yeah. Like the instructor knows everyone. And at one point she came over to me and she was like, you know, you're new, right? I was like, yeah. And she was like, you don't need to do the burpees and the crab walks. You can pick one or the other. Because she saw it was like about to die but i didn't stop i did everything everyone else did i may have been slower and a lot sweatier 
But damn it, I did it. That's all that matters. And that's all that matters. You show up and you just continue pressing forward. And then you will too be on that first name basis with your new tribe. So that's great. Yes, that's what I intend to do. So um, my week was great. I mean, we kick started it off with friends, with musical family and icons. Yeah, we did. We Saturday went to a. One of my besties, her birthday bash at a bowling alley. That was fun seeing the crew and the gang. Yeah, things. right. Um, that was a lot of chill moments. I was in pain because of my damn fucking mouth. Um, I still can't feel certain parts of my lip and my chin. Mm. Um, they said that's, I guess, common with pulling wisdom teeth in your nerves, and they mm. said it could be up to six months to a year. We're praying that it's last until next week, mm. but we did that. And then Sunday, we went to go see Miss Mary J. Blige at the Forum. Yes, the fuck we did. Now, this was my, I'm going to say, fourth, maybe fifth time seeing Mary. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen her? Uh, this would be my fifth, I believe. Okay. So, I'm, okay. Um, what did you think? Well, me being a huge Mary J. Blige fan, I got the tickets. I... Love this past album, uh, Good Morning Gorgeous. So I knew I was going to love it because I love this album. Okay. Like, you can't go wrong singing the shit from this album. It's up-tempo. It's fun. It's like her hippest album since the breakthrough. So I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm a Mary J. Blige stan. If you know me, that is synonymous, like... That's common knowledge, right? Right. Um, the track list was amazing. I'm not going to spoil it because, like, for me, I like to be surprised. Right. When songs come on, I like to be like, oh, shit. And that's forgot how the I yeah. forgot about the hit. Yeah. And that's exactly how I was the entire night. She sung songs from the new album. Of course, she sung classics from the first three albums, including some songs from the Mary album, which is... <laughs> probably her most underrated well it is her most underrated album ever so if you know you know it was really something for her fans it really was um so this last album she had i'm not the greatest fan of it but overall i am a mary j blige fan and i thought this was the best concert she's ever had seeing her the, the main times i've seen her this was hands down the best i've seen her perform um Mama came out with her Jan Jackson hair. It was looking great. You know, she she did her thing. And it's funny you said she came out of saying she <laughs> she let the crowd sing. Because we were singing the whole mm-hmm. goddamn time. You know, we yeah. were pretty much on our feet. And I would say a good 80% of the concert. So it was really, really great. She had great energy. You know, the dancers were amazing. Her background was great. The singers were awesome. Even the opening acts that she had. I don't know if they're on this every tour had the same opening acts, but we walked in on the end of Queen Nyjah. Uh-huh. We don't know who she is like that. And then LMA performed. Yeah. I was here for that. Oh, no, I was she surprised. did. I didn't she know did she really good. Um, though I was under the impression that Queen Nyjah and LMA were going to go back and forth. Like they weren't going to do every city together. Okay. Like I thought they were going to interchange. So when we came in and Queen Naja was leaving off, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's who is opening here in L.A. 
So when LMA came out and, you know, it was two of them, I was kind of like, okay, it's getting late. I'm a little tired. What's going on? <laughs> but I was also pleasantly surprised because I do enjoy LMA's music. Yeah, and I love she did LMA. a really good set. She it did, looked she did an amazing set. And so that was a lot of fun um, seeing that concert. And everyone had a great time. So, Mary, congrats to you, boo. On My only gripe, situation. real quick, about it, I hate going to see... And friends, tell me if you were late out there. I hate going to see black artists at black venues because it's just real black. Like the entire place. I need you to explain what you mean by this. Because let me explain. Go ahead. The entire place smelled like weed and shea butter. And you can't tell me that it didn't. Because at one point you turned to me and said, I think I got a contact high. It was the medication. Well, no, the also weed. I had to took a Norco before I got to the concert because my like again, my mouth was in pain. So I had that. I can't drink. So this was the first time I was ever at the concert sober. That was a whole experience. And then yeah, you're right. As we were sitting down, I was like, and people were smoking. And there was one point I was just kind of like real mellow and shit. I said, and man, I think I'm fucked up right now. And that's her. She was like, I think I'm high. Because, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of weed smoking happening. It's California. This is what we do now. This is what it is. I mean, yeah, so. I guess so. I'm, I'm with it. It's just I wasn't with the shit because, you know, they violated my lungs. I didn't volunteer to get high that night. <laughs> yeah, you did anyway, so. but. All in all, the Mary J. Blige concert was absolutely amazing. I definitely recommend, if you are a fan or even just a little bit of a fan, to go see the show because she takes you through her entire catalog seamlessly. And like you said, it was her most energetic, fun, and youthful concert that I've ever seen. It was her best concert. So. Right. Now, I thought you were going to say your gripe was that when we went to the restroom, there were several women who were following behind us and they just bombarded the men's restroom. Now, listen, it's a Mary J. Blige concert. So 94.5% of the audience is our women. Yes. Totally get that. So I can only imagine what your bladder feel like. And it's only so many bathrooms and the line is out the freaking door. So these ladies felt they were smart. And they said that they were like, Shit, it's what do they say? Uh, gender, gender, gender neutral. neutral. <laughs> and, yeah, they and came running down, and so tipping in their heels. And, and some guys were looking, you know. So again, gay guys, we don't give a shit, you know. And the gay club women are always in our bathrooms, what have you, whatever. So we even go to the women's bathroom because there's not that many women who be in there. I digress. So we weren't tripping, but the straight men <laughs> were looking and kind of felt away. Did you get? That's the vibe I got because some guys were looking and they started making comments like. You know, what the hell? And if somebody did something to you and, you know, so that was what I thought you were going to say your gripe was. So that was interesting for me. Well, no, cause like, like you said, I don't I don't care. Being a gay man, when I saw the women, I was like, mm, all right. Right. Like, I ain't got nothing I want to see. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, that wasn't that wasn't a gripe for me, but it was way more than several. It was probably like half a dozen. It was a lot. It was, it was a, a lot. lot. It was like, a I've lot. never here and there you might find two yeah, or three see, like two drunk women friend, like, right and they're like you know block the door no this was a grove of them they were yeah. like boom 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 like fuck this we we in this bitch <laughs> this our bathroom it truly was like that he's not even exaggerating the point but no that wasn't a gripe for me because I just I, I didn't care as long as you know we still got the stalls 
They wasn't using the stall or the, the, yeah, the urinals. The urinals. They, weren't they weren't using, using the urinals. Yeah. They were sewing up the stalls, so it's fine. But it was funny because one um, lady individual, she was in the mirror just doing her makeup and shit. And you just saw the guy's face. And this, this shit was hilarious to me. I was laughing. It was funny to me. So, but that was the concert. So that was the concert. So we're actually going to move from my icon, my musical icon to your musical icon. Everyone, if you know me, then you know who that is. This is the mother, the queen, Miss Janet Demita Joe Jackson. And she had a milestone. So thank you, everyone, who made the Velvet Rope album number one again. It was the 25-year celebration of this album. And this album actually was released on October 7th, 1997. So for me, that was high school. That was junior year. Um, for me, this album was everything. I think this was this was one of Janet's most intimate albums. I think she really let us into her psyche of who she was as an individual, not just an artist. I think that she she explored a lot. She got way more sexual. She teetered on bisexuality or just fluidity before it was even a popular thing. I remember going to this concert and also I remember when the concert aired on HBO and just women were, you know, lesbian women studs were asking to be pulled on stage as Janet iconically pulls, you know, a gentleman on stage and does a, a seductive dance with them. And I just remember her just being really free. And I also remember this tour was just fucking amazing. It was it was very theatrical. It was very music, um, musical theater, if you will, with everything. So, um, how do you feel about the twenty five year celebration of Velvet Rope? Well, to me, as I got older, the Velvet Rope has become one of my favorite Janet albums, and it's because, like you said. It was such an introspective album. Like she touched on domestic violence. She touched on uh, sexuality. She touched on a lot of different topics. And what I liked or loved most about the album was how eclectic it was. Like if you listen to it from the very beginning all the way to the end, she takes you on so many different journeys sonically. Yes. And what was so important about this album is for R&B at that time, she did something that no one else was doing. And she completely broke the mold as far as what you get from an R&B album. Because it's usually typically, you know, you have your your up-tempo tracks, a few ballads, that's it. She gave you so much. She gave you a little bit of pop, a little bit of rock, a little bit of uh, house, a little yeah. bit of dance. Um, it was so, she really took what she started with on the Janet album, which was a, a, a smorgasbord of genres as it is, and really expounded on that with the Velvet Rope album. It wasn't, and it still doesn't today sound like a commercial album, something that is meant for the masses. It's very specific and particular, while being sonically inclusive at the same time. She was very much so way before her time because what she did then 
a lot of the girls are doing now, like your scissors, like your like just thinking outside the box of what R and B and black music should sound like. Right. Uh, Janet really was on the forefront of that, and at the time, it wasn't as appreciated as the Janet album. But I'm glad to see that a lot of people now, 25 years later, are saying, "No, this was an iconic record. Like this is something." That stands the test of time. Yeah, and I think people really appreciate the album. At least I can, at least myself, I didn't give a shit about no one else's thought process. But, um, yeah, like, it was great. I remember when this album came out, again, being in high school, and uh, we performed some songs from this album uh, on a either Black Pride, not Black Pride, uh, what's the month? Uh, Black History Month. <laughs> Black History what's Month. What's the month? <laughs> All right, Black History Month programs and everything, and just I remember watching the tour and studying the dances, and also the Go Deep video. I wish I was that teenage boy. Like that was my dream. Like that was the ideal in my head to have a party, then have Jane Jackson come, and then like want to kiss me and all those things. So it was it's amazing i was gonna ask you what's your favorite song off of velvet rope i can't pick because i don't have a i they're all my favorite the entire you can't do like a top three if i had to do a top three the intro this the interlude first of all the first one just that just kills me but twisted elegance twisted elegance is but velvet rope so velvet rope the beginning of that Mm. um i would say my need and what about Mm-hmm. What about really just does something to me as a dancer? So That's it's so very dramatic. jazz, modern, um, also hip hop, you know, dance. So, how about yourself? What's your favorite top th- or top three for Janet? Um, album? Well, if I had to do, because I honestly have a top one, I could do, I can do, I can narrow it down to a top one. Uh, the number one spot will be Got Till It's Gone. That's one of my favorite Janet Jackson songs of all time ever. Really? Okay. Yeah, because it just... it It's just a beautiful song. The Joni Mitchell sample, Q-Tip. Yeah. I love the beginning, like, what's the song? Like, what's the next song? The song about me. Ooh! Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, that song, to me, really opened my ears and... You know, when I was younger, because if you were in high school, I was in middle school when it came out. Yeah. And it, it really helped my musical progression. It, it was just such a lush song. But if I had to pick two others, it would be uh, Go Deep. Because I remember I was a big MTV head at the time. And that video would always come on. And it would always make me want to go to a party like that when I got older. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, parties were never like that. Uh, as I got older, I realized that. Boom. Um, and it will probably be ooh, special. Special is a good the song. The last song, baby. Closing out strong. Special is a good song. Janet is known for me, anyway. Is known for those last tracks. Because they always sound so different than the rest of the album. Um, and yeah, the, that one isn't... That one's special. Special is special, special to me. Special is special to you. Special is All right. Special is special. All right. Let's mm-hmm. go. Well, yes, it is 
greatly appreciated for everyone who has made this album become number one again in 2022. She did the video. She was really appreciative to her fans. That's one thing I would say about Mother. Mother is so gracious and grateful to her fan base. And she knows that we know that she's the blueprint who everybody wants to be like. And so, you know, we just want to give her her flowers while she's here because she is the, the living legend. Mm -hmm. And so from that, we have to report and give some updates to a health scare that we had with one of the people some people say she's the vocal bible this next artist um i don't agree with that i would but say I like do a vocal she... scripture i wouldn't say the whole bible i would say like uh, a uh, you know a testament uh, like i don't know like a song the vocal, vocal song <laughs> like... okay <laughs> well we're talking about brandy and so we're we're being lighthearted right now but um, apparently she had a seizure possibly or was dehydrated I think the facts are still not all the way together yet or at least the public doesn't know but we want to still we want to send well wishes to Brandy and, and she did post on Instagram she did okay. she did post on Instagram saying it wasn't a video but you know just a little text blurb or something uh -huh, a okay. text saying that she is going to follow doctor's orders and rest uh, you know you know these Hollywood gals, exhaustion, running around, doing things, not drinking water. Uh, the same old story. So hopefully she gets the rest that she needs and relaxes from whatever schedule she was doing. Um, well wishes to a Brandy. I, we are Brandy fans here in the house. Absolutely. She is an icon for R&B music and she is the original It Girl. For R&B crossover in the 90s. Yeah, I just had an issue with Brandy when I was in junior high. Oh, God, here we go. I did. She <laughs> didn't give, I got her autograph. She wanted to give me my pen back. Like I was like kind of pissed. And I, I held that grudge for a long time. I really did. Well, I'm sure she's had it many a sleepless night. <laughs> I'm sure she's fucking. I really did. I was like, I'm Team Monica. I was always Team Monica, but I was really, I went hard. It took a long time for me to like kind of get back into Brandy's uh in her her orbit of who she was. I think it took um full moon full moon album for me to kind of be like, all right, I fuck with you again. But yeah, it was a long time. I wasn't. I was yeah, which I want my pen back. Well, so, I hope it was a bit. Yeah, but yeah, well wishes to Brandy. And so we also this week was National Coming Out Day. Yay. And it's on October 11th, and so... Yeah, which was, what, Tuesday? Yeah, and so we want to acknowledge that being a gay podcast, obviously, we want to, you know, let people know that there's never a right time to come out. Your time to come out is your time to come out. And there's never a white, right way to come out either. Right. You do it on your terms with what you're comfortable with. Do you remember when you came out? I do. I... It's sad, one, that we have to come out, that we have to say, yeah. hey, this is my declaration of who the hell I am, because our counterparts, heterosexuals, don't have to come out and say, hey, I'm heterosexual. Like, mm -hmm. they just live their lives and be who they are. Um, but I do remember my coming out story. Oh, I was 17. I was 17. I was a freshman in college. Yeah. How about you? How you know how old you were? 
Well, that's the thing. I never came out. I firmly believed in what you okay. just said. Okay. I never once uttered to anyone in my life, actually, the words, I'm gay. Um, because in one, the context of saying, like, just have to identify that way? Or? Yeah, or just coming out or notifying or okay. sending a post-it or making a declaration. I never have done it. Okay. Um, the way that, I guess, technically, you can say I came out to my parents was when I was like, hey, I have a friend. I want to bring him over for, what was it, Thanksgiving? <coughs> and then you showed up. Yeah. yeah, that's how I came out to my family. Um, <laughs> because one, let's not be, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> clearly, I'm gay. <laughs> like, clearly, I'm a homosexual. And I've always been a homosexual. If anything, as I've gotten older, I've actually turned toned down because I just don't have the energy to be as flamboyant anymore because I'm always fucking tired and my bones always hurt. So when I was younger, I was very homosexual. And when I moved out for college, I was completely independent of my parents. Right. I put myself, I, I was putting myself through school at that point. I was working full time. I was doing every, like everything was on me. So I didn't feel the need or that I owed anyone anything. Yeah, I had a little chip on my shoulder, struggling, sassy, gay, in you know, the streets of Koreatown in Los Angeles. So no, I didn't feel like I owed anyone anything. And I didn't care how they were going to take the information if they felt, you know, offended or hurt. There was nothing to get, cut me off from. So I didn't right. care. Okay. So I didn't care. This is who I am. Like you said, straight people never have to say, hey, I'm dating a opposite sex, you know, a member of the opposite <laughs> right. sex. So why, why should I have to do it? And I never did. And I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, no, very true. No, as I recount what I, well, I'm first of all, I'm glad. What is up with my mouth and talking today? Just I am today. Glad. <laughs> it's just it's just today. I am glad that you were able to have that type of experience where you feel like you didn't have to do that. I wish that so many other people could have that experience mm -hmm. and we normalize it, right? It's just a conversation of just you know who you love the person. Whatever they do, as long as they're not harming themselves or anyone else, like it is what it is. But I can't wait for that utopia one day. Hopefully yeah. we'll have it. That being said. I do remember the moment of why I made the decision to tell my mom. Um, I, I remember vividly. So I think I was actually 18 and I think I was a sophomore because I, I, I was I was working at Target in Northridge and um, I was riding my bike home from work around 11 o'clock at night and I was riding my bike back to my dorm and music soul child the song Love came on. I was listening to it on my headphones. And I, just, I remember getting emotional. And I was, you know, I had been in them streets doing what I do. But I just was ready to, like, to not have to be questioned about things and everything. And I remember having a conversation. And I, I softened the blow by saying I was bisexual first. <laughs> the gate, put that out there. The gateway. Give a little, yeah, it's the gateway. <laughs> it's the gateway to being gay. It's like. It's like, okay, like, it, it gives your family a little bit of hope. A little bit of a hope. A little hope like, to hold he's on. Just like, going through I phase. may just be, it was like, no, I know what the fuck it was. But, you know, but yeah, I remember that uh, vividly. And then after that, it was just like, this is who, like, like you said, being on your own and doing certain things, like, this is who it is. This is who I am and this is what it is. And if you don't, 
I really don't care. Yeah. Um, and then especially as I got older and grew into my manhood, I really didn't give a shit. Yeah. And then once my grandmother knew and I and she still loved me, oh, I don't give a fuck about nobody what the fuck they think about whatever the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, it was um it was a good situation. So Good times had by all. Good times had by all everyone. So I think at this point right now. We're going to put a pin in this shit. Come on back with the math. Come on back. Let's take a break. Take, pay some of these bills and come back with the reality roundup. And we're back. We are back, you guys. With the reality roundup. And oh my goodness. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you buckled up? Because this is going to be a bumpy ride, baby. This is exactly what it's going to be because we're starting with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion. The reunion that everyone has been waiting for four weeks now because there's so much shit that's packed into this. And just the first episode is so much. And you barely scrape. The surface of what has transpired over this entire season. Now, this reunion warrants multiple episodes. It needs to be like uh, part five. Uh, it, it, we're not even exaggerating. <laughs> like, because seriously. This first episode, we only really do a deep dive on Crystal. Right. But before we get into the dive, let's talk about these ladies' ensembles. So let me start with you, babe. So who do you think wore it best? Okay, so looking at the pictures beforehand, I thought, oh my god, this is hideous. But looking at them sitting all together, it actually looks like, and and walk with me here, it looks like an actual high fashion spring collection. It, like, (laughs) no, literally, it looks like a Project Runway, like, designer's collection. They just need to be moved around a bit, but this looks very spring, summer. Like, the colors are kind of cohesive. Um, the dresses are all individually a mess. But, this is dreadful. Yeah, but go ahead. But it kind of it kind of reads as a collection for you fashion people out there. If, if you know, you know. But I would say the best looking overall, I would go with Lisa Rinna. She looks the really? least. Really? In Cheetah? She look, yeah. I, I okay. love the Cheetah print, but she looks the least, like, offensive. Like she looks, she looks like she's going to Sunday brunch. That's what she looks like, and that's the least offensive compared to all these other bitches. Uh, Erica looks like a, a disco ball hooker. Dorit literally <laughs> looks like she got attacked by ribbons. Um, Crystal's cute. Crystal is really, I love Crystal's gown. It's but actually beautiful. She actually looks like she's like going to church. Um, and the left side of the couch is just real busy. I am here for Garcelle's ensemble. Now it's a sitting down dress. The Beverly Hills girls have never ever given you they've never done the color thing like yeah. every other housewives franchise they do a color scheme Beverly Hills is like listen we don't we have time for that we wear what we want we showcase our shit with our diamonds and our jewelry so I'm here for Garcelle's also Sutton surprised me Sutton normally comes up with some bullshit Sutton is actually looking very chic in the words of Dorit very chic it's very chic um, Dorit is kind of underwhelming for me i'm kind of surprised she doesn't have some label plastered on her chest or bare back she does have chanel all over (laughs) so um renna is pedestrian kyle i'm not really seeing it for her i'm loving the hair color on her 
I think that the color is a pretty it it complements her skin tone, but as an as a whole, I don't really get it. Her freshly baked skin tone. Yeah, Erica, it's giving me Vegas. Vegas showgirl. Vegas, like circus, circus. It's big, yeah. It's like downtown Vegas, like yeah. back in the eighties. If y'all know about downtown eight, eight, Vegas in the eighties, and Crystal is a wonderful cut. I think Crystal is the more fashion forward out of all of the ladies, and she looks absolutely amazing. So, so they have recreated this set to look like the Beverly Hills Hotel, uh, which is a great hotel um, in here in Beverly Hills, California. So, if you ever get a chance to come. You guys check it out. So we get into the, the shit. shit. Shall we start? So we automatically go into the homeless, not toothless of it all. And I'm glad that we started off here because it was very light, very fun. We actually have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. She comes out and talks about her charity. It was really good to know and to find out that her coming on to the show was like the single most successful day that her charity has ever had right and the ladies were really surprised that jamie was there and i was kind of taken back because i'm like well jamie has been on the show before she's been at one of cow's auctions or one of the many season finale parties that she's thrown or the children's charity and she's been on there but then it makes sense why she's here now because there's a movie to promote the fifteen thousand halloween hey. edition jason is still around yeah. Wrecking the must and killing motherfuckers. So, but it was nice to see Jamie. Um, they also showed some behind the scenes with her and just being her. I would love to just go to lunch with her one day. No, yeah, she seems possible. like she seems very fun and positive, light and airy. So. Yeah, and she also just seems like she will just give it to you straight. If there's a, if she seems like that type of friend, like if you're going through something, she'll just tell you like how your fuck up is happening and how you contribute to the, the problem. But then kind of helps but she you. But loves you. It loves you, she but loves, also kind of coaches you. you like, well, let's kind of solve this together. She just yeah. seems like that girl. She does. And I, I appreciate her energy. Um, it's a really good, pure energy. She really is. She's just a, a living legend. So we have to take care of our legends because she's, mama's getting up there, you know? She is. She gets all the ladies uh, carved pumpkins of their faces, which looks amazing, actually. So that'll be something cute to have and they can put out for Halloween. Uh, and that was a really nice segment, cute little light moment. I was low-key hoping that she would have pulled a Nicki Minaj, but she came out for the <laughs> Potomac reunion and, like, read everybody. Right. Uh, how cute would it have been if Jamie Lee Curtis came out and was like, so, Sutton, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Lisa, why are you crazy? I would have loved it if she just pulled out some cue cards. Uh, but we skipped from that into Dorit. We touched on... We actually on... went to Garcelle. So he actually, Andy, before we start, Andy touches on Garcelle's situation with her son. So if you guys aren't familiar with it, Garcelle's son, Jax, was actually bullied online um, about an episode with Erica, about Erica telling him to fuck off. And so there were people messaging him, a 14-year-old, there were grown adults giving him death threats and saying very nasty, vile things to him about his race and saying like if your daddy wasn't white there would be a knee, or, knee on your neck just very disturbing very 
unconventional messages that, that should be sent to a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so Garcelle, Andy mentions, mentions the fact that he brings this up first, and I'm glad that he did that, to kind of give Garcelle the chance to speak about the situation. She lets everyone know there's an ongoing investigation into this to see. Uh, we do find out that there were bots that were purchased who made these comments to Jax. And so this circulates back around later on in this episode, but Angie just wanted to give a statement and say unequivocally that Bravo does not condone the violence or this trolling with minors. Then he also goes into the fact that these ladies receive a lot of death threats and a lot of messages from fans. And he's like, yo, this is a show for entertainment. Like you guys can love them or hate them, but please don't give them death threats. And so I think we all can agree to that. Like this is just for shits and giggles. It's not that serious, you know? So that's where we started at. And then after that, we get into the real good shit with Dorit. Yeah, it was... I mean, just really quick, the fan bases of a lot of the great television on on right now can be toxic. It can be racist. The Real Housewives franchises, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, this is literally just television. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, with nothing else going on in their lives, try and make it more than what it is. And they get crazy. So I'm glad that Andy... Like you said, took some time out to just really shame everyone out there that has no life and take pride in bullying these women. Because yes, some of them can be gross, Lisa Renna. But to tell her <laughs> that her, her kids, and Harry should die like yes, that is it's not that serious. Is never that deep. Yeah. But from there, that's when they actually start highlighting the individual women, and we start with Dorit. Um, and we see, of course, the robbery and she recounts her crazy time convincing them to leave the cell phone at the gate and everything that she went through. We already talked about it and discussed it. It is just crazy reliving it. The case is still open. They still haven't found anyone. There's no leads, but she looks great. So how did you feel about Andy mentioning to the cast that there were some naysayers regarding Dorit and said that PK actually hired some people to stage this robbery. I'm glad that he did because the streets have been talking. I mean, it was, people have been saying it before the very first episode even aired. Like when you were finding out about it in real time, uh, Twitter was a buzz saying, okay, this is Dorit's storyline because there were rumors that she was going to be a friend of the season. So when all of this happened and transpired before the very first episode aired, people kind of read into it as, okay, this is something contrived to make her keep her diamond. So I'm glad that Andy addressed it, brought it up. You can clearly see how shaken she is that this is, this is, this really is real life. Yeah, no, this she's visibly life. shaken. And I never once believed that theory. I think that that's kind of gross. And what man who's a protector of his family will want to put his family through that for insurance fraud or for a storyline for a TV show. Like it's not that deep people. Um, and then people were even questioning the fact that the robbers left her cell phone at the gate, but you have to understand these were some, these were not just your Mickey mouse neighborhood robbers. These were some elaborate people that were going for millions of dollars. So, I think with that, it's a little 
there's more decorum with that type of robbery. And I mean, it's really you, you understand what I'm saying? Black men robbing a white woman. Or were they? Do we know they were black? Oh yeah, you can see on the on the camera that they. they I know they were. All, I thought they. I thought they just had hoodies and and. You, uh, you can, you can see uh, on the ones when they were walking in the initial footage okay. that they looked they they looked black. Okay. Uh, but they're not trying to kill anybody. They want to get the. They want to rob. And they want to go. Right, but and that's what I'm saying. Like this type of caliber of wealth, when you have robbers at this level, they're not trying to get bodies they're trying to get the money and let people go you know because they probably think okay well it's this these items are insured and you'll you'll get the money back or what have you mm -hmm. but either way it was a bad situation but then something very classic happens for the second year in the row andy yawns as the is talking and she makes mention of it We've and kind there. of pokes him a little fun um, because he did yawn and he, <laughs> as she was telling the terrifying story, recounting that I would feel, I would have felt, um, the same way she did. I would have felt like, oh, so am I boring you? Do you need, uh, do you need something to live you up? Like, how dare you yawn as I'm yawn as I'm talking to you about my tragedy? Hey, it happens. I do that literally eight times a day regardless of who's talking who it is i no, I'm, trust I'm me today swallowing today yawn. at work i was doing the same thing interviewing the client but you know you try to make it not obvious but he was completely obvious with his situation but um so that was that was happened with uh, well uh, uh, the next thing happened but it didn't happen to dorit because kyle abruptly cut her off in the midst of telling her harrowing story, just to let us know about when she was robbed, <laughs> even though it's it was not her segment. Her at segment all. is coming. She's sitting at the head of the couch, so she is guaranteed some fucking airtime. But Kyle just wanted to chime in to let us know that the robbers who robbed her a few years ago reached out to her sister-in-law and said, hey, I have Kyle's items. Uh, he sent pictures over, and they sent him some money that he you know was holding their shit ransom now she never went into detail about what she received back or if she received anything back she just uh wanted to chime in and let us know she did and erica kind of checked her ass she was like oh that was a shakedown i wouldn't send them a fucking dime they did a shakedown on you and in cal fashion i just do not like people who have to try to one up you in a conversation. I call it the me tooers. Like there, you said you can say, I went to Jupiter on a mini rocket, and they were like, Me too. And let me tell you what happened to me when I went to Pluto. Like they try to up you mm -hmm. all the fucking time. I hate people who do shit like that. Now, granted, we all try to if there's an open conversation with the group and we all try to maybe share a relatable story if someone's yeah, kind of sharing relate. something, yeah. you want to relate, you want to empathize with the person. But if it's a consistent theme of a me tour, like that irks, that is my biggest fucking pet peeve. And sometimes I just stop talking. I, I stop telling stories because I, especially if I know that me tour is there, I just won't tell the story because I know as soon as I say something, you're going to one up me in the situation. And that's Cal Richards. 
Uh, yeah, it is. Kyle in a nutshell, because that's something that she totally, even though it was in the same vein of, as what Dorit was talking about, let Dorit have her moment. And when Shit. the cue card comes to you, then that's when you can give an update and share and circle back and let the editors edit it however they want. Yes. But yeah, Kyle has done that consistently for years. It's kind of like that. Hey, don't forget about me. I'm still here. I'm still here uh, mentality. Yeah. But we... In that Dreet segment is over, we hop and skip on over to Crystal where she uh, we see a highlight reel of her this season and we start with her eating disorder. Right. So I completely empathize, sympathize with Crystal with the eating disorder, especially body dysmorphia. I completely understand body dysmorphia because I think on some level I kind of tread lightly with that. Um, but I congratulate her for being courageous and talking about this. And then she, I felt that she was standing more firmer in her truth and had more of a backbone as she talked to the ladies about it because it comes up about Erica mentioning an alternative of using laxative and mm -hmm. people questioning, why would you say that to her? Um, Cal mentioning her eating disorder and trying to relate, but it wasn't really hitting on anything. So I appreciate Crystal stepping up and, and showing up for herself. Yeah. And defending herself and saying, like, you know, when I shared this, this was personal to me. Even the fact that what Dorit had shared something with the ladies. And yes, Crystal said it publicly on the show, but she was having a private moment with you. And when Crystal looked at it, she said it appeared to look like gossip. Like you were gossiping about it, not really being concerned about how I felt. And Dorit did what I thought she would not do. And she doubled down even further with her statement. Mm -hmm. Then eventually apologized and acknowledged Crystal's feelings. But I think she could just, when someone tells you you've hurt me and you've done something to me, your response should be, I'm sorry. How did I hurt? Or how did I hurt you? And I'm sorry. Yeah. And acknowledge that person. Even if you have a difference of opinion, acknowledge first and then maybe kind of defend yourself or, 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 reposition your opinion about the situation or just let them know that wasn't your intention right but still acknowledge the fact that the person was hurt so how did you see um crystal's eating disorder and her kind of reliving it and telling her truth well i i definitely commend her for continuing to shed light on something that typically is taboo uh especially in hollywood and on national television at that and it's not you know typically when people talk about things like this it's when they're on the other side and you know they've done the work and they can look back and talk about what they used to do and you know how it used to have an effect on them but she's currently still in the midst of it and she's still struggling with it so that's even more of a kudos to her it, it, she definitely gets props for uh, her strength and transparency and I appreciate it. I just, after this episode and how she kind of maneuvered her way through the ladies, because at one point, it almost everyone except for Sutton kind Who's of. Garcelle? No, Garcelle even chimed in oh, a little she, bit. Yeah, so, like I said, everyone except for Sutton <laughs> at one point had words and was coming at Crystal. And she just didn't fight back or have the comebacks that I think, you know, we've come to 
expect and like on the reunion. So I personally feel and fear that this may be Crystal's last stand. So let's talk about it. <clears throat> so let's go. It was brought up about in La Quinta when Crystal mentioned that Sutton actually said something more dark and she she would not repeat what she said, but it was very dark into her and that was her experience. <clears throat> I completely forgot about that shit. Yeah, it happened like twenty two episodes. I about. forgot about La Quinta. I was like, when did this happen? I was like, was this last season? Had to be quickly reminded that this was this season because so much shit has gone on in the last 15 episodes. Yeah, so much more important shit. Yeah, so once we revisit this, you realize that Crystal didn't study the previous episodes. And I don't so, even think she saw the season, child. <laughs> I think she was like, I've lived it. I'm good. See you at the reunion. So she was like, I don't need to brush up on my, on my acknowledgement of what happened in this show. I wish she would have because, <clears throat> like you said, all the ladies kind of come at her in a way. And she tries to defend herself. And... I think when someone tells you that this is their experience, you can't really question someone's experience, right? Like you may may not agree with what they're saying, or you may question that. Well, is it the whole truth? But if they're saying, "Well, my experience with her in the conversation, I felt the conversation was dark. I felt that she said some things I would not repeat." Because suddenly, even kind of alludes to the fact, like I may have used some language now I wouldn't use. Yeah, Sutton says that. Like she admits to that. And we find that there's no one specific thing. What I didn't like about this was Kyle was trying to, there's people who try to catch you up on everything you say. And she was taking her literally. And Crystal, splitting I think, hairs. was getting, say it again. I was saying splitting hairs. Uh, yeah, Crystal was literally trying to explain herself and maybe got confused with some words. So then she's like, well, let me clarify again for you. So you could just tell like they're trying to hold her feet to the fire. And they're like, okay, well, you're not going to say what it is then you need to just kind of not ever say that this person said this but it's like you can't say that to her because that was her experience mm -hmm. that she had was they're in a better place now which is great but suddenly acknowledge she said some fucked up shit and i think that's the point no one is really kind of acknowledging and and in, in that moment with when they come back to revisit this topic so it is a topic that I'm glad I forgot about, honestly, because it is, I hate when it's some behind the scenes off the camera type shit because it's just hearsay and her versus her. And in this instance, Crystal did get tripped up a lot and uh, the rest of the ladies were really dissecting every single thing that she was saying. And that made her at moments get confused and kind of backtrack a little because watching the episodes back she did kind of insinuate and make it seem like Sutton said something very specific whereas now on the reunion she said it was more of the tone of the entire conversation now I can under I can understand getting you know caught up in in that but when you look at the episodes it did to the other lady's point, it did seem like she was set, Sutton said something very specific. So it is frustrating to now hear her kind of crystal kind of say the opposite. But if that is her experience, that's her experience. And if Sutton, most importantly, has let it go and Crystal has let it go, 
just at move this on. point, you just have to move on because you're you're splitting hairs and no, there's no footage, there's nothing. So uh, we we're literally just going around, around, around in a about circle the, the Mary Bush about nothing. And Erica and Lisa, the fucking two miserable bitches on the show. <laughs> they're like why is this okay why is why Sutton why are you okay with this why is it and it's like because they're adults and I think on this platform especially in this zip code it's so easy to forget that growth can happen <laughs> and people can come to an agreement to even disagree sometimes and still be cool at the end right. of the day and not want to destroy someone or bring someone down right and <laughs> Eric's at the point she's like fuck it bitches y'all got me she's like if i'm in <laughs> if hell I, I need some company right if, if i went down like this planes went down <laughs> y'all got me going down right. the planes going down like i'm taking everybody Every, with me and it's so apparent that miserable misery loves company because erica's calling out everybody for anything bitch you sneezed and you didn't cover your mouth <laughs> if i am getting dragged for orphans and plane crashes you right. need to be canceled for not like girl calm yeah. down She's so yeah. She's is not. It's it, Erica's behavior on this episode is leaving a bad taste in your mouth. If you are a fan of hers, um, it's just coming off as cold, bitch. Well, like, I mean that's always been her brand, right? But it it was a different situation. Yeah, like it wasn't like that deep with it, but it was a different situation. This is just this is like on um, some Mean Girl time ten type shit. So. So we bounce off of Crystal and her confusion and jump to someone even more confused, Diana Jenkins. She Skypes in <laughs> because apparently she's too sick to go to set, but feels just right for hair, makeup, and a nice seat in front of the fireplace. Hey, it's just like Kenya. When Kenya was sick and Marla was like, but you had glam. I mean, sometimes you need a little glam to feel better. You gotta look. You gotta fake it. Yeah, fake make it till you make it. Baby. Now I don't know if her being sick has made her accent thicker, but there are moments where I barely understood her, <laughs> and I am looking dead at her. How do you feel her segment went? Diana was never my fave, and her coming at the Garcelle because that came to light even puts her lower on my totem pole. Like I. She can go. This could be her one and only season it for me. It has to be. It absolutely has. She to be. can go. Um, you said the things about the black black creators who make content, and you try to use your language or your uh, your lack of knowledge about the phrasing of English language about black content creators. Mm -hmm. So, hmm, I don't believe you on that. Um, you trolling Garcelle for no apparent fucking reason. And you troll Garcelle because Garcelle's son reposted something about him that he had too much, but it had Diana's name in it because the trollers specifically wrote Diana's name and said, leave Diana alone. He reposted shit and you start to fucking give death threats to Gar or give a threat to Garcelle and her people and talk about you could have X that out, bitch, and fuck you. No, my son wrote this. He felt what he said. He posted what he posted about his emotion. And Garcelle got in that ass. More specifically, Kyle's ass. Because Kyle, oh, yeah, she, yeah, being yeah. the, you know, me too, I'm here type bitch, butted in and said, well, what I think 
Diana is saying is maybe, you know, before you guys posted it, you could have just edited her name out and then posted it. Garcelle said, are you fucking kidding, kidding me? She put Diana on pause. She said, hold up. You pause. <laughs> yeah, she, she said, pause, pause. pause. Pause this guy. And then turns to the left and was like, bitch, what? Are you fucking kidding me about much? And then you see Kyle starting to backstroke. Not me. Back what? Not me. I didn't say if I it was me. I'm just, don't even fucking speak. There's no reason. There's no reason. There's no room for you to have a fucking comment at this situation right now. I'm talking to that whole over Completely here. Completely unrelated to you, bitch. Who's saying that I could have penciled her name out before my son reposted. My son posted what he, he said what he said. That's and the it. thing is, he didn't say anything. He just reposted the nasty, horrible, disgusting message that was sent to him and wanted to show America what he was dealing with in that moment. Yes. And the fact that the first thought to come to anyone else's mind is someone else other than Jax, other than Garcelle, is ridiculous to me. If you have nothing to do with those bots, then you should know. My slate is clean. Exactly. I have nothing to do with it. Diana should have actually came out against those bots saying, condemning, you know, whatever Jax was, whatever was being said to Jax instead of hitting up Garcelle and saying, hey, uh, if whatever happens to my family, it'll be on you legally. Yeah. Like, what? That was like, uh, wait, what? Like, oh, this is what we're doing? So, yeah, I, I completely support all the smoke that Garcelle gave Diana and Kyle as I was, I'm there. Let me hold the ashtray because if you need to put, right. <laughs> put some ashes down because right. you got more smoke, I'm here for you. Because also, Andy asked the question to Garcelle, do you, do you think it was any cast, member, cast members behind that vow hate? And she honestly said yes. And the camera instantly panned to Erica. I was like, shady cameraman. Right. And then we find out later on that she also... So we don't know who she was talking about. But I think it's clear she's talking about Diana. Yeah. We, Maybe we, Erica somewhat. It was clarified that she did think that Diana was behind yeah. it. She specifically said. And Diana, and Diana responded by saying, do you think that less of me? Like, do you think I'm that bad of a person that would do something like that to a 14-year-old? And Garcelle kind of just said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I said what I said yeah. and I think what I think and that's what led to uh, Garcelle asking like and he was like do you have one question for Diana and Garcelle said why are you obsessed with she me? pulled the Mariah Carey baby oh, why are you oh, so obsessed oh. with me? <laughs> uh, and that's when Bravo with the receipts showed several different posts from Diana on social media targeting uh Garcelle throughout the different weeks on the show and Garcelle said I don't come for any of these other women on social media if I have a problem I'll talk to them talk to them directly but Diana for whatever reason constantly comes after only Garcelle That's it. and it to me in that moment it shed so much light that of course, the least popular bitch is going to have a problem with the most popular bitch. Because right. Garcelle, at this moment, is the fan favorite She's that of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And everyone knows it. Yeah. So, of course, the bitch that's hated the most and probably won't get a diamond next season is going to try and come for her. Because she is obsessed. Yeah. And in the words of Michael Jackson, she said, just leave me alone. Just leave, just me, leave alone. me alone. Oh, oh. And... To that, they show next week's episode, and it is very interesting. We cannot wait to dissect I'm on the edge that. Of my seat. 
Yeah, again, this needs to be a record uh, uh, season uh, five part episode of Reunion because there's so much shit. I don't know that they can really get all of it in. I don't think that they can. Three episodes. Because we still have like six other women to highlight and to talk about. Yeah. And that doesn't even include anything about Aspen. It doesn't like it. It's so much. It's It's so so much. much. It's so much material. But right now, we're going to go ahead and talk about another zip code, these Real Housewives of Potomac. Let's do it. And so, we're now talking about Potomac now. Wowie, wow. I've been waiting for them for way too long. It has been a while. And I didn't know how much I missed them until I saw these faces on the screen. And I've I was always like, known how much I missed them. I love y'all. Like, y'all gonna bring this shit to this season. So, we start off with... They tried to do a recap, but we find that the OGs... So, the OGs would be Karen Huger, Giselle Bryant, Robin, Ashley... Ashley Darby and Robin, and Robin Dixon. Right. And they are at the Cherry Blossom in D.C. And... First of all, Robin is now a redhead and just looks even more beautiful in her own right. Yeah, it really makes her eyes pop. Yeah, but they all sit together and they all are conversing about pretty much catching up what happens. And then we find out that Ashley has filed for divorce or a legal separation from Michael Darby. Yet is looking for homes with Michael Darby. (laughs) And all of the other women are as equally confused as the viewers. Uh, it was great getting uh, reacquainted with where the ladies are in life because Robin still isn't married. <laughs> she, They are still engaged, but I think she's trying to figure that out with Juan, which is an interesting concept with them because their kids, their boys are getting older now, right? So it's like, we know mommy and daddy, you were together, now you're divorced, but now you're engage so like what are you doing like you trying to wait till they turn 18 to get married like what is the problem now but we find later on in the show robin talks about i think what is a big thing which is she's now the breadwinner mm-hmm. and so she probably has um she has things she wants to protect to protect right and her hat empire which is i would feel a certain type of way if i was one because like we he was the breadwinner for a while. Then they had someone steal their but money. But she had a prenup. Or she did a prenup when they got married. The they time. did. They did. But he I guess I'm just looking at, okay, now we've struggled. We had this come up now together. You know, like after we had someone rob us, steal the money, that person killed themselves. So now we we started again from, t- you know, this whole situ- this whole now new adventure. And guess this was your thing, but I kind of helped you. So I can kind of see where he might feel a little slighted by her requesting for a prenup. But... Again, by all this time, y'all should just do the damn thing. But I think it's a little more to the story. I think that he wants to have some side bitches. Oh, well, of course. Kind of going on. So I think that could be the reason why. I don't think he's ever stopped having side bitches. That's the thing. You don't think so? Hell no. Looking at this show in previous seasons, he's always been one foot out the door, up the street, around the corner. You 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 definitely tell they haven't they have they've never had that lovey dovey relationship which you know is not all relationships but the the energy and the chemistry that they have together it always just seems more homey 
like homie best friend. Well, I think because they became friends. Like, I mean, again, they've known each other since they were teenagers. So you have a basis together. And then, you know, if he's had, if he's had one, I'm quite sure he had probably, I don't want to say he had multiple infidelities, but I know he did some shit. She did some shit. So I think it's just an understanding now it's not as, as, you know, uh, rose cut glasses on. They, they don't look to their, they don't look at their relationship through those rose colored glasses, I'm gonna feel. Perhaps. So we move on. Uh, Giselle catches us up with her tacky ass house. It's finally finished, <laughs> just as confusing. It literally looks like a circus. Like when you walk through those like crazy mazes and nothing makes sense. And yeah, some shit is right. taller than the other. Her house is disgusting, you guys. Um, Karen. She's still with old man Ray. She's Ray's still kicking. He's still kicking. <laughs> so they essentially use this time to catch us up and each other um, about where, you know, the OGs are and kind of touch on the ladies that aren't there. So you have Candace, Wendy, and Mia. Mia, right. They're not there. Then we, after the ladies have their little um, picnic in the park, if you will, then it cuts to my girl, Candace. Who AKA is the mouthpiece. The MVP of this franchise, I firmly believe. She is. They Candace to, is that girl. They need to push her in the way that they push Giselle and Karen because she is the reason for the season. She is the reason for the she season. She gives you good she television. She gives you everything. And Candace is now trying to have. Well, she's freezing her eggs with her husband or embryos with her husband, Chris. Yeah. But. It was very strange to see that they had some type of tension about... They always have to. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that's what they do. That's, that's their bad. That's their that's they that's they That's very on brand for them. It is, but... It, yeah, but I would just think that at this point, with so much shit that they've been through with your mama Dorothy, like no. on the half of your house, and no. people questioning who the fuck... Chris, is he your manager? Is he not? Like, all you would just think they would be just more unified and together you have to think about who you're talking about things. you're talking about candace spoiled ass and the reason for this argument is because her husband is now the general manager for a very popular and successful hotel um yeah, so restaurant inside the hotel restaurant inside the hotel so you can imagine his hours are crazy he usually gets home at like 1 or 2 a.m at in the morning because that's usually what last call that's when shit you know he's he has he's to off. he has to go down with the ship like if he is overseeing everything he has to make sure everything is right and she feels a certain type of way about it because she wants more consistency and if they do bring a baby into the situation she's working on her music and her career and he's staying out till two so how's that gonna work and a whole bunch of hypotheticals that won't matter when it really comes down to it at the end of the day. Right, but it, in that car ride, it just went left real fucking quick. But this is the first time we've seen you. We haven't seen you guys in 18 months. And this is the first thing that we see. Like, you guys have this big-ass argument, disagreement that just went left. And, and if you know, if you've been in a relationship with someone for a while, things can go that way very quickly. But very you have to quickly. be cognizant of it. Like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Like... What was my intent of having this conversation with you? And I think they both were hang hangry. 
<laughs> then we come to find out. But I think it was something a little deeper, you know. So I think we're just scratching the surface with them on this type mm-hmm. of venture, and I think there's possibly going to be possibly going to be a storyline there about his hours at work. Oh, it absolutely if will. If that means anything, and, and are there trust issues in their relationship? So and I think that will come out later. Will on involve in the show. another housewife, and I cannot wait. <laughs> and so then later on, we see that. My girl, Robin Dixon, meets up with the actual true Rondam of Potomac. And that is Sharice. Sharice. I wasn't going to say her name because I'm not as big of a fan as you are. I don't see it for Sharice. I'm here for Sharice. You have to give her, uh, you have to give her credit because she is the catalyst for this show. All of the women, she, you know, basically picked the women to be, to on, be the on the show with her with her she was the she Kyle was Richard yeah. of the of Potomac and for whatever reason lack of a storyline she was ousted and now the producers have you know brought her back in a friend of capacity to kind of start shit and then like leave right which I think is the best look for her I don't need her full time at all I do I just I, I you know what I you know what it is for me I think because when the first cast they were all predominantly light-skinned women and she was the only chocolate one and it was like okay like because you can't you, you're not just have a, a bunch of light-skinned looking aka's up on the show like you can't have but i mean that's Atlanta, not the case now. And then it's not but at that point where when potomac came out it was just all these light-skinned green-eyed or want to be green-eyed people mm. and then just one chocolate mama because also you have to remember they bravo tried to do real housewives of dc one season, and I think there was one black woman on that show. Yeah, it was boring. It was disastrous. And yeah, it was very disastrous. But then you come to Potomac, and now Potomac, and they're like, oh, well, Potomac is, you know, the black echelons of D.C. and what have you. And so when you have all these AKA types here, you that's not a fair representation of black people in D.C. in the DMV area because they all don't look like that. So that's why I was so strong to see a chocolate mama. Uh, Sharice and also the fact that she was the grand dame and she really still is that girl for the moment you know yeah I don't in the it. sound so but you know <laughs> go off <laughs> two things can be true you know I'm just saying but I was just that was I think that was my my initial like reaction towards her to kind of see that so mm-hmm. but yeah they have their sit down and of course Sharice throws you know her shade and they talk about uh, the Ashley situation because that's on the tongues of everybody right now. How can she be getting a divorce but still wanting to buy a house with this man? We move forward and we catch up with uh, the lovely Mia and all of her shit. Which so apparently she had a health scare, and some people think that she was using her platform or social media to get attention. Oh, you don't say. I can I can see that. Well, so she, when we catch up with her, it's a situation of her saying that, you know, there was a potential uh, op- chance that she may have had cancer or something that looked like similar to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then she took down that post and then maybe reposted something else. So, of course, the fact check- checker, a.k.a. Giselle, was going to be here like, well, this doesn't make sense. And she yes. wants to question everything. So Karen comes to Mia's home as Mia's throwing this family gathering, I'll say. And, and Karen pretty much lets rental. her know. Said, 
I said her beautiful rental. They oh moved. yeah, because her and her old man, her old sugar daddy, they moved to a, a new property. And Karen lets her know, like, listen, yo, um, some people have been talking, mm-hmm. and they're gonna come at you. So I want you to be prepared about you have to defend yourself about your media post. And so that's a conversation that Mia is ready for. Um, later on in the show, we'll come to find out. Mm-hmm. So, and then we catch up with Wendy, and Doctor Wendy is. Having multiple jobs, and she's looking for a new adventure, and she meets up with the fifth housewife. He's always the sixth housewife on every each franchise. Peter Thompson. Give him. Give him a peach, a, a diamond, peach, a glass of champagne, a diamond, a champagne flute, <laughs> a fucking icicle, whatever those bitches have in Salt Lake. Peter deserves his spot because he always brings it. He was in this scene with Wendy, drunk as hell. I don't think he even went to sleep from the night before. He, he may not even change clothes. Messy Peter is back on our television screens, and I honestly don't think that we deserve such a treat. But I will say this, because Peter is an attractive man. He is very chocolate with the white, and he always looks together. Like, I, that's one thing. I know, yeah, I he gives good Peter. cat daddy gotta, vibes. Peter, Peter gives daddy vibes all he day. Gives he gives good cat daddy vibes. He is, he is that guy. I so. wouldn't trust him with a single cent of my money. But you know what? He broke down. I was glad that he broke down the finances of how the restaurant business worked and her return and her investment. And that which makes me think that he is a really good businessman because the way he did it, I was like, I get that. The way he explained it to her. And she was like, oh, that makes sense to me. So I can see the allure of Peter Thompson. I really can. I can see why the, the pennies thrown at him like that. So. Yeah, I can. I mean, I if Peter Thompson has always had swag, so I can see that part of it. I can see the infatuation in him, but the business part, I still like. Like, I need you to look at me in the eyes. Why are you wearing shades? And when we're ha- and we're discussing business, because the camera lights are hot. You know, I don't and need to be in seduced while we're talking money and figures and investments. Like. And Let's bar one has been doing great for the past what seven years. I mean, so he's he's been able to obviously have this establishment. He has other restaurants as well, and he's he's making a name for himself. And he eventually tells her, like, listen, you won't see a return for 18, 24 months. But when you do, just know you can go upwards to eight million dollars on your new lounge that she wants. So Wendy wants to do a a I'm about to say in the region, but a Library lounge, a library lounge, but a, a Nigerian library lounge, even better. <laughs> They're gonna be busting down the doors to get well, into this, that. You know, Nigerians they will support their people. You know, that's one thing they they're gonna do. They'll definitely as much as prideful and braggadocious as they are, and they will support their own. So they really will. It's very true. But um, Peter was not feeling the library idea because. Wendy was like, the kids can come and read books during the day. <laughs> um, that was a very unique take on uh, the restaurant business. So we'll have to see what ensues with her and her storyline the rest of the season. We move over from her and we touch on Giselle, her ugly ass house with her daughters. They throw her shade. It's great to see. You love to see it. Uh, and eventually... All of the women meet up at Karen Huger's Spring Has Sprung party. Spring Has Sprung. In the middle of what looks like the coldest winter ever. <laughs> but give it up to Karen for always having a theme. I love that. I thing. love it. I can't theme. wait till spring happens because I'm going to throw a Spring Has Sprung party. Spring so just be aware. Spring Has Sprung. 
But yes, we come here and it's a beautiful venue and you know you have the ladies and then the, the friends of the ladies who want to be on on the show um in the background trying to get their moments and what i don't appreciate is when mia walks in because everyone else they walk in they kind of greet each other oh well wendy tried to speak to giselle and giselle threw her mad ass shade and it, the thing is, it, well, I don't even think it was shade. It was just direct. Don't talk to me. Don't know. She said, no hugs. No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. When he was like, uh, uh, okay. I just wanted, I just wanted to say hi. Just don't say, uh-huh. Hi. Okay, bye. It was just mad shade. But Giselle comes at Mia. Mia is the last one to arrive to this gala. And without even saying Mia, without me even ordering a water or a cocktail, Giselle walks up to her and basically says, I feel that you have some explaining to do on your social media and I think you're lying about cancer. Giselle was Giselling. She and Mia got that ass together. Mia was like, wait a minute. She took she, she took a moment. She took a beat for a second to gather her thoughts to make sure I'm hearing you what you say correctly. And then she read that whole. She literally had just walked in with her coat still over her shoulders. Like she was, I'm telling you, she didn't order a glass of water. She wasn't offered. They didn't even say, Miss, what would you like for a cocktail? No one came to her for services. I don't even think she said hi to all the women, to be honest. She didn't. She literally walked walked over to them. They were at the bar. I think it was, what, Giselle and, and Karen? Karen? Yeah. At the bar. And they she walks up to say hello. And then other people start coming around them and Giselle kind of tries to clock her and embarrass her. And me was like, let me get your ass together real quick. So it was a beautiful thing to see. It's going to be an exciting season for this. This is the first episode. Um, I think that Potomac, everyone has clocked in. They will clock in because there's season. so many storylines. Everyone has like an actual storyline right. this season. That's unlike, interesting. Also. That's interesting. Unlike other franchises where there were no storylines. Yes. Everyone has, it's either divorce or affairs or scandals or, you know, fucking marriages. That is not weddings. That's not going to happen. Like everyone <laughs> has an actual storyline that I'm very excited to to see yeah i'm very excited so from there we're gonna go over to down to the ga to marry to medicine and so we are still at the retreat for the couples if you will mm -hmm. and there's some progress that's being made we find that anila and toya kind of have a conversation and kind of work through some things toya's hurt by anila and they hash it out talking about Anila's really upset that she doesn't have a friend Toya no more. She sits down with Toya and Audra and she just kind of reminisces about the friendship that they had and yeah. what it was all about. And Toya actually divulged to the group that when Anila left the house because after the robbery it, it was too much. She was shaking up the family. They, they left and Toya would drive by her house and uh, check through the windows to see if they were there and the lights weren't on and she was concerned and wondered where where they were and that kind of softened the tension that was in the air and kind of showed Anila that Toya still kind of cared and you know they shed tears it was a nice moment it was a very nice moment for them and then also we find that Toya and Audrey have a moment and they talk about 
pretty much why Audra came for Toya because Toya was coming for her so goddamn hard about her clothing. Yeah, her very passive aggressively. Not being a good attorney. And it's like there was no evidence based to the shit Toya was saying. And so basically Toya was fucking, she was, she was coming from insecurity. She was working from a place of being insecure about some shit. Yeah. And they kind of patched some things up. Dr. Jackie feels that she is on a roll. So she got, you know, one relationship down, mended. Tries to go with Heavenly and, and Contessa. Not so much. <laughs> Contessa was like, listen. I'm tired, okay? You shut the fuck up, Heavenly. <laughs> Contessa was like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. We drove up here in this fucking snow. Like, that's not going to happen tonight right now. So yeah, She said, let's put a pin in you it. You can have all that. But I'm about to go to this bedroom and change my clothes real quick. Right. Take so, off this wig. Yeah, which I am, again, I'm a... Contessa stand and I support everything she does, especially if it's giving smoke to Heavenly because Heavenly is the worst type of friend you can have. She throws the rock and hides her hand. Yeah. And so we see that the mango bowling don't want to give a shit about that. Um, but they address something that was has been put out there, a rumor that possibly someone in the circle had had insight and was kind of set up uh, Anila and her husband to be robbed. Mm -hmm. So Eugene kind of speaks to that and was like, I would never, you know, want my family associated with that. Or, and then Anila's husband, I want to say his name is Neil, but it's not, that's not his name. But he basically says like, yeah, like there's a story out there saying I, I staged this for my family. So I would never do shit like that. So the guys have an understanding of like, listen, with with the husbands, we don't try to be involved in the wife shit, so let's not do that. So they kind of squash that type of rumor. But I'm glad they still addressed the rumors because it needed to be addressed on both sides and right. kind of say, come to an agreement that they're both just stupid, frivolous rumors that no one needs to give any attention to, except for the ladies. Yeah, that's it. And so, as a part of this retreat. Dr. Jackie and Simone, Dr. Simone, feel like the ladies need to have a spa day so they have some masseuse come to the house, which I think is a great idea. I want to do that one day that with some fabulous. people. Yeah. Just kind of have a service come here and just manicure, pedicure, massages, bake, you know, uh, facials, what have you, whatever. But they have a good time and you see that. I think all the women have a crush on a girl crush on Contessa because Contessa had both her feet being rubbed and her hoo-ha being open in the robe. And you know what? I would I completely see that if I was a woman, I would totally go diving in the lady pond with Contessa because she has big dick energy. But she's still like soft and feminine and she's very she gives very like lipstick lesbian. Oh yeah. Well especially she, with she her rock hard world. body. Yeah, especially with that body she got now. She's going to rock your damn world. So, um, and then we see the men come in on the ladies' spa treatment day. And um, Dr. Jackie's husband, he decides he wants to give a comment to Miss Quad. <laughs> and Miss Quad so eloquently in her OTF says, you know, oh, Curtis, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't talk to me now, sir, while I'm... I'm I'm baking right now, you know. Do you think keep your energy over? Uh, keep it to Jackie. Don't give it to me. Do you think any of the men want to fuck Quad? I think all the men want to fuck Quad. I think girl. all the men want that chocolate Hershey kiss. She's a pretty yes. girl. All the men want that. They know. I I 
Yes, I do. Because <laughs> Quad is so opposite from all of their all wives. Of like, she's lively. She's a spitfire. She's definitely someone that you would want to fuck and go home to the woman that you're married right. to. <laughs> like, you go... Good time. Good time, yeah, Sally. Good time, Sally. Good time, Sally. Nuts will be busted. And then you go home and that's to, it. Like, And then you go home contestant. to, you know... And then you, go, you go home to Dr. So Jackie. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're Scott. So, do you think the man want to fuck uh, Miss Quad? I do. I do. I think I think it's that she, because she's such a live wire and she can't be controlled and you know, I think it is that that curiosity there with the man. And I think Eugene may have said something because a year when when she was splitting up with um her ex-husband, her ex-husband there was a big to do about her going on the trips and Toya was the one leading that crusade, crusade about Quad, it's like she's not married, so why is she? Why is she here? Why would she go on the couple's trip? Mm, it's like I remember that because she's part of the cast. Why would? Why would she not go on the couple's trip? Like I don't. I need someone to make friends. Please leave a comment on our IG page to why, if you are or happen to be a woman who's married, are you threatened when your husband has female friends? Because I need to. I want to understand that dynamic because I feel like there are some women who have this position like my husband can't have female friends and he or he should never talk to another woman if he's my if he's married i don't know i've never gotten that i don't get that type of logic like i guess like being a gay man like if you had a male friend, i wouldn't be pissed off if you had a male friend or flirt with another dude or talk because like i know who the fuck i am i know who you come home to so that i wouldn't bother me okay how about you oh i mean you know how i feel friends I am not a jealous person at all. Uh, it's not that I don't care. I just, there's no, I, I, I think there's no reason behind it. Like you're stressing yourself out. If someone's going to do something, they're going to do it. Right. Regardless if you're that. insecure, if you stress out, if you follow them, like whatever, whatever will happen will happen. So it just go, it just boils down to communication, trust, and understanding it. Like I have male friends. You have male friends? Well, I really don't have no male friends. I mean, I got like straight male friends. Well, well the they game. they are male. <laughs> they <laughs> they are still technically male. Um, so, like I said, you have male friends. I have male friends, and yeah, it's perfectly fine. I don't, but I mean, I I guess it would be different for opposite sex. But again, I don't know because I don't deal with opposites <laughs> I don't yeah, have but that's, I mean, that, that's what I guess what I'm, I'm going to or thinking about as far as okay gay men you know um like the dynamics like what would what would I have an issue if you had a friend that, that was doing something or vice versa what would you have an issue with a gay friend that, that was doing something with me like I don't know I'm just trying to understand that mindset of where someone becomes upset or jealous about a relationship with that friend you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. or try to put um boundaries about what well, you can't you can't have um no friends that look attractive or some shit like that because like for me it's like that's what the straight people are doing the women like i i don't want my husband to have like dr heavenly dr D- dr damon daddy doesn't need no female friends she's enough of a friend to him it's like well what about he has someone he just wants to converse with like what's the issue mm-hmm. so I would love to hear what our friends have to say if they would just leave a comment oh, underneath the, on this episode um, on our when we post this up. So, you know, let us know how you feel about it. 
give us the rundown. Right. But I mean, I feel like this is the, that's the gist with married uh, to medicine. So we can move on to the other married folk, and that's Married at First Sight, episode three hundred and eighty nine of this season. I just need decision day to happen. I I need I need decision day to happen, and I need everyone to just say no. Say no. Like it's a dare campaign. Just just say no. Just I don't want no one to to make it. Everyone needs to go their own separate ways. I feel that Kristen is the MVP. Kristen gets this process. She understands what it is. I think there's a man out there waiting for her, the right man for her. He's watching the show, and she will be matched with him. Or they will be in her DMs and she will find the husband that she deserves and she needs. I really wish that there was um, an email or somewhere we can post and get in contact with. Because I truly believe that Kristen deserves another season. She really wherever, does. Like wherever the, the city they go to next... Like, they need to fly her out. <laughs> no, I'm just serious. Fly her out and, like, let her do this process again. Okay. They put them up in, you know, an apartment building. So, it would be nothing for her to move there for the eight weeks. Because she truly, more so, I think, than any other person that has ever been a part of this experience, she understands what it's about. And she's willing to compromise and step outside herself and really give... And be vulnerable and give herself to this process. And it's just unfortunate that her partner is not the same. I mean, since we're talking about them, I guess we can start with Kristen and Mitch. Um, this episode, we saw Mitch go to a conference. A work retreat, right? A work retreat because I guess that's what you do when you're... Saving the world. Saving the world. Of recyclables. And and of recyclables. It was just... Uh, and that's where all the hot, sexy people go. <laughs> where you sit in hot tubs without your wedding rings on. So... Yeah. That's what he did. Why did you look at me when you said that? Because I, there's no one else to look at. It's just, it's just the two of us. I mean, do you take off your wedding ring when you go places? No, just, I was just laughing. Just funny. I was just, I was just, I was just, laughing. <laughs> just observing the room. Right, that's all. Um, but yeah, it, it was very interesting the fact that he um gave his reasoning for that. He's like he's trying to separate work life and married life and that he didn't really want the people he worked with to know he was doing this process. He didn't That's what feel I like got explaining it. That's what his just he didn't feel like it having to go into it because apparently they're a tight knit group and everybody kind of knows everybody's business, which would lead me to want to know, okay, well why didn't you tell them that you were going through with this process in the first place? If you feel so entitled to give them an explanation, if you're so close that you know you would need to really give them a rundown of everything that's going on, why didn't you tell them in the first place? I, and I just thought about that right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he was just on some Mitch bitch shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, his reason didn't make sense. No. So, and they're going to probably watch the show. Exactly. <laughs> so, and like, you're still going to be working there. Right. So, let's be real. But, Honestly, at this point, I think Kristen is just waiting for decision day. Yeah. Because she paid it. Uh, she just entertained it because you can tell she wanted to be devil's advocate and just ask questions and prompt conversation. Like, where's your ring? So and the way she did it in the car was so smooth, right? She, They were talking about things. How was your work trip and this and that. And then he was like, oh, she's like, so where's your ring? He was like, oh, 
Oh, it's right here. And it had to be in his pocket or jacket or whatever. And as he's driving, he puts it back on. But it's like, come on, bro. Like, if you knew, like, put your fucking ring on before you got back in the car or you picked her up or whatever it was. So it really, it really wasn't that hard. No. Uh, but honestly, that was the gist of their storyline this week. Yeah. It's, it, and I, I, like, I echo what you're saying. I think Kristen is just, we have one more week left. Yeah, she's like, let's just honor our Let obligations. Me get my paycheck. Yeah, let's just <laughs> this resign this contract. Let's exactly. just keep it moving and keep it cute until I can tell you, go fuck yourself. Yes. On that last day. On and that so last day. We then go to Nate and Stasia and Nate, aka the opportunist. And if you didn't think he was opportunist before, please watch this episode and watch his reaction as she takes him to the house that she, her newly brought house that she got and see his reaction as he walks through everything. It was honestly like a kid in a candy store. It was a kid at Disneyland for the first fucking time. His eyes got all bright and wide and he, everything was, ooh, this nice. Yes. It was like, you've never had something nice before, sir. And she's looking at him like, you could tell in her head, she was looking like, this motherfucker's not going to be here. Like, she... she <laughs> It was funny seeing her reaction because she's very type A. She's very much a control enthusiast. I'll say control freak. And it's just interesting seeing how she's trying to be. You, you can see her try to be open to, okay, well, he's going to be in this space. Let me try to make him comfortable. And at, as they go shopping for different accessories for the home, mm-hmm. you see as he's making these suggestions that makes no fucking sense. Like, his sense of taste and style is is horrible. Well, I mean, hers isn't that much better. Can we talk? It's about not, that? but at least she has something to kind of you know uh, a go point off of. View. <laughs> she, right, she, she had, had a point, a point of, view. of view. Come on, Heidi Klum. At yeah. least she had a perspective. There's something that's there, but he starts to mention different things, and you can see that it just it doesn't sit well in her spirit <laughs> at all. At all. And it even trickles over to another conversation that they have that equally made no sense. And this was the conversation about children. She wants to still have fun and have a life once they have a kid. And his take on it is once you have a child, you basically give up the right to enjoy life and you kind of give your soul (laughs) over. You hand over all your credit cards and your fucking passports and you're just... Life is over for the next 18 years. I don't think that they really were communicating effectively because... No, they weren't. Sitting here watching it, you can tell they were... Well, not even her. It was just him that was on the complete extreme. Like, dude, yes, you have to buckle down when you have a child, but no one's saying that they're going to, you know, go out and go to the strip club and leave their kids in the bassinet <laughs> at home. Like he, like right. I don't even think that Stasha's get down. Like she seems too, way too tightly wound for that. Yeah, and I think for her, she's just like, listen, before I ruin this body by having a baby, let's do some more trips. Like let's be yeah, let's married for at least, and I get that. Let's be married for at least two years because I understand that complete concept. Um, because once you start to have um, a child or a, a dog or whatever, like you, your life does change from, and so you like speaking just, from experience. Yeah, and so it's like okay, you have to 
enjoy the moments of being newly married or, or knowing each other and having some memories before you continue to add on to your family, right? Yeah. So I think that's all she was saying, but he just wasn't getting it. But I'll, again, I think a large part what she mentioned was could be true is his mother didn't want him. Mm-hmm. And she, or she wasn't ready to be a mother at 23. And so yeah. when she stepped away, and so his father, because his father was 37, his mother was 23. Big age and difference. Big age difference. Um, and so, you know, dad was ready to, to be that family guy, but that Clearly, just wasn't yeah. but mom, the mom's she was, case. She still had life to live. Right. And so I think he's fearful of that type of repetitiveness happening with him, and he didn't want that story for his children, or no. I guess he wants to be the parent that he didn't have, but you can have you can be that but you can also still enjoy life and and have children and your children your children don't have to go with you everywhere because like you need to still be an adult you still have to yeah. enjoy time with your wife and, and everything it's a work balance situation so yeah and it, it, it is possible to have both and Very i think that's possible. what he's missing it's either you're going to abandon the child like his mother or you're going to stay at home and be miserable like his father. And I think that he needs to find that in between. And hopefully, if they do stay together, and honestly, I'm still going to be honest, I think they are the only couple, if they, if there is a couple that stays together, I would want it to be them. I because I think they're the least toxic for each other. Um, because all of the other couples are disastrous. Do you want to move on to the uh, to one of those disastrous? We can, but just to, to piggyback off you saying, I mm-hmm. think Stasia, she saves her nastiness off camera. Oh yeah, she seems like that girl. She's that girl, and, and we we like see it when they go back to the apartment, and which I love them having the cameras in the home because mm-hmm. that's how we get all the good tea. Mm-hmm. But we see it when there's a moment that there, and he kind of goes off her, and she's like, "So you can, you definitely, she is a camera ready girl, mm-hmm. but yeah, there are more toxic people." And one of those toxic people, her name is Alexis. The most toxic. And you I, and mean, I, didn't, I, I didn't see it. You would say it before. You always said it. And I was I was trying I to give because you know, I'd like to give my chocolate sisters a try and want to be supportive and want to be, you know, like chocolate toxic people in the world. <laughs> they are. But I just wanted to you like didn't okay, want to I just didn't want it, but I she started to unwind for me. It's like Oh, I see the type of girl you are. Like, I see it now. So, but continue. So, this week with Miss Alexis and Justin, one of the highlights of their storyline is that Justin, he goes back to get his dog to spend some time with her. Right. He goes, gets his dog, and comes back to the apartment. So, Justin and Alexis agreed that Alexis will go back to her original apartment with her dog. So Justin can go back to their cohabitation apartment with his dog and kind of spend time with her. To that, we find out that he is giving his dog to one of his best friends who lives, I think, like an hour away. No, 17 hours away. That's a lot more hours than I thought. Yeah, so they should think he lives up north somewhere, so possibly. Canada? <laughs> that, um, that well, they're in San Diego, so that's two hours south of LA. So that would make if he um, lived like in Oregon somewhere or Washington, something like that, True. that would kind of make sense. True. So yeah. So so yeah, he's giving his dog over to his best friend, who his dog actually really loves. So that made me feel good about it. It was a really emotional scene, especially if you are a dog parent or a dog lover. 
And yeah, you can't even watch it. You, you, it was too much. Away, like yeah. literally, there's dog dra- trauma every season on this fucking <laughs> show, really and I can't. And I'm <laughs> sick of it. I'm at it officially. But one thing that happens: Alexis drags her funky ass in with the most fucked up energy. Not her funky ass. With though. the most fucked up energy. Now you see this man is giving a piece of his heart away a big piece of his heart. a big piece of his heart like you away. felt that like you felt justin's pain you felt his the anguish agony. you felt everything because he just looked so defeated and he mm-hmm. was like i only trust this person because my dog loves this person more than she loves me mm-hmm. like so yeah it, it, yeah you definitely felt his and his here energy. she come carrying beds helping basically helping move the dog out like let's get let's <laughs> like, get her done let's get this bitch out yeah, let's, let, go. let's get her done i got her bed here's her kennel <laughs> let's fucking see her out and literally after they say goodbye or after he says goodbye to the dog they drive off they're sitting on the sofa and in that same breath she shares with him how she would appreciate it if he stops bringing up the fact that he has given away his dog for their marriage. Yep, she said that. The, bo- the body is still warm. <laughs> like, can you at least give it a day? Yep. Like, if I were just in that moment, I would have completely cussed her out. I would have said, fuck this marriage, fuck this show. I would have ran down the highway to get my dog. Ran, get your dog back. I would have called and said, stop right there. I'll run and I'll meet you at the entrance of the freeway yeah. to fucking get my dog back because it it just showed where her mind is at even in this moment of extreme emotional turmoil that he's going through she still managed to say hey this but about me she said hey but this is what i need right, right. Now and it moment. was it was so just it was not a good look for her because my position was if I'm getting rid of my dog, bitch, you getting rid of your dog too. Like yeah. we starting brand new dogs yeah. all in this whole process. Yeah, a couple dogs. If mine's is going, you're believe, believe me, yours is going to because again, if you are a dog parent or a cat parent or, or a pet parent, those essentially are your children. Like you know, so Completely. imagine giving your child up. Like no, uh, if that's no, no we're, we're not doing this. So we, if we want to start a clean slate, then. Everybody in this motherfucker started a clean slate, mm-hmm. but no. So, and then she couldn't even commit to because he's like, okay, I I'm giving up my dog. I need a hundred percent assurance that you're gonna say yes. I'm so she's like ninety percent. So it just it doesn't match well. Again, she's already thinking he's gonna hold this over my head in the marriage, which he has the right to do that. And but he also will. he he, he <laughs> took that he will, and he made that choice. To do this, so what is I? What I want for Justin is to for him to stand in his own manhood and his and and be. I don't want to say, I'm not going to say man up, but to be um comfortable enough and to emote and to stand firm in his truth and give his opinion about something. And you finally start to see that in this episode when he talks to. He's talking to Mitch. 
He talks to somebody. Oh, he's talking he, to Mitch. Talking he to, to Mitch. And he's like, you know, like I don't know where I'm at right now. Like his whole lovey dovey shit's gone out the window. Oh no, yeah. So now he's like seeing. He's like, okay, like now I saw I've sacrificed for you, and she's not doing the same thing for me. So now he's had enough. Now he's pissed off, and I'm like, I need you to be pissed off. Like I need you to keep that energy. And of course, now she's going to be fucking attracted to that shit because now she's like, he's finally showing yeah, up. It's like, but if you have to do some toxic fucking shit yeah. for him to react this way. That's not his reaction, but I need him to keep that energy and be like, no, listen, my needs to be, my needs need to be met. I've given up my dog for you. I need for you to say you're going to make this marriage work. And if not, fuck you. Call my dog. Give my dog back. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. More importantly, that's exactly what needs to happen. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. They don't need to be together. They don't need to be together. And if they do stay together, he's going to constantly, he's going to grow to resent her slash hate her. uh, Because she will have everything that she came into this marriage with. Yeah. He won't. Exactly. And whenever there's an altercation or an argument, he's always going to go back to the fact that he has given up more in this relationship mm-hmm. than she has yep. and how unbalanced it is and how unfair it is. So they just need to quit while they're Did ahead. Did that. And before they end up hating each other and it gets really nasty, like the next couple. Like, I'm about to say like who the motherfucker I hate now. Let's just, I mean, fuck Miguel. He there we has go. Fuck Miguel. Miguel's a bitch ass nigga. He has if I see him on the street, I'm punching him in the fucking throat. Fuck Miguel. Sorry. Continue um, on. What, why don't we like Miguel this week? Well, because Miguel, much like last week, he expanded. He expounded on his assholeness and his manipulativeness. They have friends over to play Dungeons and Dragons. So, sorry, nerd fans out there. If you play Dungeons and Dragons, I am apologetic right now because what I'm about to say... Who this? What the fuck is it? How how does this work? Make it make sense to me. I don't know. There's I'm like, like a board. There's so is dice. this imaginary game that we we come up with a? Uh, but there's still virtual. People. There's little people. Fantasy, fantasy by a storytelling. Like I didn't. And then there's, there's accents. There's a board and there's dice, multiple die, and I don't get. It. Excuse me. I don't get it. I don't. That get was it. my frustration coming out. That was the the, the my soul saying the Fuck anger for Miguel. <laughs> um, I don't understand it. I don't understand why you got to wear outfits with it. I mean, I love a cute outfit. I just still this show didn't make me understand it any more than I and did what already. he did was and Lindy picked up. She was like. I think this is explaining this story is explaining our marriage right yeah, now. Yeah, he came up with like a little scenario <laughs> like, in the story, and it seemed like he was really trying to low-key drag her he in his story. Trying. And her friend was like, uh, well, what if the prince was an asshole? <laughs> like, yeah. her friend charming in like, so like well, the prince like needs that. to be, you know, hit. He was like, you can definitely try. But they eventually split off. She, you know, talks to her friend. He talks to his. And Lindy basically vents to her friend about what has transpired and how she, Miguel has She made tells her, feel. her experience. Lindy, not one time did she go and say, he's a bad guy, he does this and that. She just told her experience of what, how she feels. How she feel. And he told his experience, and he gave more detail about fucking her, about how she does certain things that he doesn't like in X, Y, and Z. Am I correct? Correct. So they come back. They come together after they had the individual conversation with their friends and 
love Lifetime and their shadiness of the production. So back to the cameras that they have in each apartment. Mm -hmm. They have these cameras for this particular reason because they capture the conversations that the regular cameras don't capture. And we come back and Lindy and Miguel are saying bye to their they're saying goodbye to their guests. Mm -hmm. And it's very like All right, you guys, have a good one. Good night. And if anyone's ever seen Tyler Perry's uh was a family reunion and when the woman who was married to Blair Underwood was about to be married to him when, when the stripper left the home and her sisters left and she closed to she was all happy and laughing and then as soon as the door closed he beat her ass. This basically reminded me of that situation. But emotionally. But it's emotional. It was no physical, but just emotional. He physically touched her, but he did uh go in on her. So after, literally he closes the door, Lindy's sitting on the couch, he walks back over to the chair and he's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. I don't. I don't think I even want to know what you guys talked about. Like yeah. that energy off from the gate. You could have easily just said, "How did your conversation go? What did you girls talk about? Did you have fun?" <laughs> like he. Yeah, he walks over and is like, "I'm going to be honest with you. So part of me is terrified to know because I don't know what you said the most." And she's like, "Wait, what?" And he basically tries to bait and switch her he gaslights her and he manipulates the entire fucking thing and she comes back like I'm not going to apologize about my truth let me speak to my friend like I'm not she's like where is what are you talking about like where is this coming from and he basically flips this and says tell, tells her like you were talking shit about me and I don't want to be in a two faced relationship but you're talking shit about me Mind you, at this point, Lindy has not said one thing she's talked to her friend Nothing. about. She honestly just said, I've just, I've just told her what I've been experiencing. And he filled in those blanks himself yes. and assumed that she was shit-talking. Because, I don't know, maybe that's what he was doing. And he honestly feels Stop that, you know... Exactly. Usually when you... And from my experiences in life, usually when that person has a problem or is projecting, it's because that's what they're doing. That's how they feel. That's right. what they've been doing. And they naturally feel, oh, if I'm doing it, everyone must be doing it's it. It's all the time, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And he basically says, like, I don't want to be made a villain. He uses very strategic words. And he talks, he makes himself the victim about this. And he makes it seem as if she was talking shit. And then he doubles down and says, you know, because I, I can't be with someone who's like that, who is a, a two-faced and, you know, talks things about because I would never do that with you. Because and, he knows that's a trigger for her. She right. is deathly afraid that he will leave her and doesn't want to be with her. So when he uses those buzzwords like, I can't be with someone mm -hmm. that does X, Y, and Z. That makes her initially retreat inside herself, be up overly apologetic for shit she hasn't even done, and kind of want to pacify the situation. That's how he gets his leg up on the conversation. But she countered him. She said, being a villain... But I'm the villain every time we have a professional, a professional comes in here and talks to us. Like, you make me the villain. Like, I'm the bad, the worst fucking wife ever. Mm -hmm. So, I love that she's standing firm in her truth with I... What? 
happen is something that happens with people who are emotional who tend to start to show the emotions, start to cry. I hated that she started to do that. Be just And only the reason why, because at that point, she couldn't really convey her message all the way mm -hmm. because her emotion was so much that she had to have a release. Mm -hmm. But I wish I would have loved for her to just stand firm and, and still not back down and still tell him where to go and how to go. And she was, because she repeated, like, I'm expressing my concerns. I'm expressing, I'm talking to my friend. Like, that's all I'm doing. Like, you've done that. And we've seen him fucking do it to people. Mm -hmm. And he's talked shit about her. And she's never talked badly about her. She's just telling her truth about how she feels. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, why, well, you didn't talk to me? She's like, I can't. I don't know how to come talk to you. I don't know if you're going to be upset if I say this, if I say that, like you're not making it a warm, welcoming, safe space for me. And I totally see that with him. Absolutely. Miguel on the street. If I see you, it's on site. Just know that. And that's a promise. Not a promise. Child. It's a promise. We don't do threats over here because we can get sued, but that's a promise. And you're going to be like uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Just saying. Just no down dirty shame. And this is not, this is real life. Mad at first sight is real life for me. It ain't no, this ain't fake. <laughs> this ain't no fake. This ain't okay. no play play. This ain't no soap opera. <laughs> well, let's, well, good thing you don't like San Diego, yeah? I hate San Diego. Sorry, people who are from San Diego. I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's cute. The people, again, bad experience, rad relationship, you know, association. Word association. Well, that, well, that sucks. But yeah. <laughs> so that was marriage. Married at First Sight this week. Hopefully, now, it's only one week until Decision Day, which means there'll probably be four more episodes until Decision <laughs> Day. Uh, the way bro the way Lifetime likes to drag this shit out. Drag so, we will be back in the chaos next week to see what these couples bring. We will, but we're not going to drag this episode out any longer. No. We've, you guys have already given us maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours again. But hey, no. I mean, you're with your favorite gauge, right? It, I mean, so, so you're trying to make it two and a half hours. I'm not this trying outro. to do that by no, <laughs> by no means. I'm not trying to do that. My husband always gets on my ass about that, but I'm going to say it, like I say every week to you guys. We thank you guys for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate you guys. Please spread the word. Like us on Instagram. Uh, if you have any comments, concerns, please email us at oh, that's my gay friend at gmail.com or leave a comment on oh, that's my gay friend on our IG page. Again, you guys, we thank you. You always have one hour with us. You have 23 more hours to be kind to yourself. So go out, make a friend, and we'll see you guys next time. Until then. Bye, Bye friends. friends. Today's episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend is brought to you by the letter A. Hey, listen, did y'all really think we we're going to teach you guys something? <laughs> this podcast is just to have a kiki with my husband. Tune in next Friday for an all new episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. Follow us on Instagram at Oh, That's My Gay Friend or email us your questions at Oh, That's My Gay Friend at gmail.com. Until then, see you next time, friends. <laughs>